here we are, right now, with day seven. This is the final day. This is the series finale in our series on who is in. Whoa, what a week it's been. It's been, well, colourful. <laughs> it has been colourful. So much has happened and I'm glad I stuck with it. I'm so glad that I did two sessions every single day for a week of who is in. And there's really so much. There's so much to share. There's so much that I would like to talk about right now to help finish this series off and to help really flesh out some of the illustrations that we've made so far and to share further insights. So we proceed forward in no logical order. I will simply be spouting the ideas or the insights or the stories as they come up. So don't think this is of lesser or worse or more importance. Usually my emphasis tells you (laughs) how important something is. So insight from today I'm starting to get glimpses of what it means to be whole. I was getting glimpses of what it means to be whole, to be in harmony with myself. And this kind of happened in a way on a number of occasions. It's sort of something that happens again and again gradually in a little way, with multiple contexts and multiple examples or multiple, not not even multiple contexts, it would be more accurate to say multiple content. So, for example, for me personally, I would have this thing of, well, what am I? Who am I? And it would be this sort of questioning into question into myself. And what would come up is a couple of different answers like, I am alive. I am passionate. And then as soon as those answers came up, there would be another answer which would sort of be a kind of contradiction or in somehow out of harmony with those answers. So, for example, I would say, I'm passionate, but then I'd think, oh, am I really passionate? What about the times when I'm tired? What about the times when I'm lacking motivation? What about the times when I'm feeling down and dark and gloomy? How do you reconcile that? And in that moment, these two or three or sometimes four or more things would sort of appear And that is when I would see this glimmer of what it means to be whole. It would be like there would would be this other thing that would open up. And it wouldn't be that I would choose one of these things. It wouldn't be like, oh, I actually am passionate. I'm not tired. And it wouldn't be exactly the same as saying, well... It's okay. Sometimes you're passionate and sometimes you're not. Sometimes you're passionate, sometimes you're tired. It just depends on where you are. But it was something else. It was something else. And this came up again and again and again in so many different ways. And it was a kind of resolving of contradictions that is totally new, totally unique. Like I've talked about paradoxes in the past. I've talked about contradictions I've talked about any variation of things thereof, of those things. But this is something else. This is something totally new. And it's totally new to me, so it's hard for me to put exactly into words. But I'm calling it for now what it means to glimpse being whole. To have glimpses of what it means to be whole. And there was another example, which is that I noticed the different voices in me. Now, I'm, I'm very much concerned with the voice. Anyone who listens along to me knows that 
the voice is one of the tools that we use for awakening. It's one of the mechanisms. It's one of the central, it's fair to say, central devices that we're working with. It's one of the, like so many of the techniques involve the the voice. And, and And of course, this technique, tell me who is in, does involve the voice. And I was listening to myself and hearing the different voices that I'd have. For example, I'd have the sort of preaching voice and the teacher's voice. And then there would be a kind of conversational voice. And then there would be a sort of mumbling, confused, not really knowing what's going on kind of voice. And then further still, there would be the voice of the inner dialogue. And sometimes the inner dialogue would be coming out as the voice, and sometimes it would be different. It would be separate. So there are all these different me- mechanisms and, and things to the what we could call grand voice or the total voice with these sort of separate voices. And they came out in such close succession and so clearly that I could see them as contradictions. Like how can you have a teacher's voice where you're explaining something very clear and then a few minutes later you're bumbling around, mumbling, having no idea what's going on. And then you share some train of thought and the train of thought is just some embarrassing, self-centered egotistic little thing. And that's what was happening throughout some of the sets. That's what was happening as a kind of revealing these contradictions within myself. And that, in that moment, I got the glimmer again of what it means to be whole. What it means to actually see that, well, it is the same person who's speaking like a teacher or speaking with the teacher's voice as to the person who is mumbling and confused and has no idea what they're talking about. And I could see it in real time. I could see it for myself. So that was a big one. The glimpse of what it means to be whole, to see how so many different parts go together. And I think the key to that is actually being able to identify them. And the good thing about who is in is that you see the different parts of you very close together. And putting a voice to it makes it tangible. It makes it impossible for you to ignore it, which actually brings me nicely to my next point, which is that I had this thing. Now, before I get into it, I'll just say, Again, that there were these little things that I would say that I knew. And that's progressed. That's been one of the threads that's been going on. When I would say something, and I would say, I don't need to say this because I know it. Why am I telling myself something I already know? Well, that's progressed now to be something that is just, well, it's not there. I've almost completely lost that. And if you've listened to the previous episodes, the previous reports, you've heard how that's changed, how that's been going along differently every day. Now, that aside, there was this thing that I was thinking to do. Now, what that thing was is irrelevant. It doesn't matter. I don't care to share what the actual thing was. It was an action, it was a doing thing, and it was something that I wanted to do outside of the process. And... Earlier in the week, I was talking about how I was thinking of doing it and what I thought it would be like to do it. And I was sort of reasoning with myself, should I do it or not do it? Or maybe I'll forget about it, these sorts of things. And then later, as the days went on, I made up my mind and I said, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm really going to do it. And I feel really good about doing it. And then I went out and did it. And after that, I had this session and I had to say, I feel really good because I did this thing. And I was even (laughs) 
funny. And I said, you remember how we talked about that? And it's like, well, of course I remember because it's me. <laughs> I'm talking to myself. And then further still, another session later, I had the result of what it was that I had done. And I reflected on that. So this thing that I had done, I had had to speak about and reflect on in real time all throughout the week from thinking about doing it, from wanting to doing it, to making up my mind that I am going to do it, to actually doing it, to how I felt after I had do it, done it, to seeing the result of what had happened of having done that thing. And it was like this microscopic detail of the whole process around this action that I was doing. And that was really revealing. It really revealed how my actions bird as a part on my being. And I ended up thinking that your actions simply are entities within your beings. Your actions become entities within your being. Which means you don't just think about them before and after and during, but they also have a bearing on how you feel. They have a bearing on a sort of emotional pull or the feeling of the pull to do them. And I imagine, of course, that it's the same with the things you don't want to do. And the complexity and the clarity of how an action bears on my being was so much more vibrant because I was doing this who is in process. Because I had to talk about it, because I had to put words to it every step of the way, it really opened it up. And this led on, this led on to all my actions. I've been seeing things so differently. It's so different to, it, it's so different, like it's a world of difference from doing things in life and thinking about them. It's totally different to just, okay, so you've got your life, right, where you do things. And when you're not doing things, you're thinking about doing things, right? That's sort of a basic sketch of how life is, of what you're doing on a weekly basis, right? It was so far beyond that. It was so far removed from that. It was so much more, and I have to say this, the only word that comes to mind is conscious. I was conscious of how it was all working. I was conscious of all the hidden ideas or feelings or sensations or qualia or phenomenons that were within me, that were within me. And that really is enriching. It really is so different in a way that like, like I've never felt like this before. It feels completely new in so many ways. And I had a bit of a idea of how to explain more what this is like. And this is what I've come up with. Say you have a mood. So we've got we've got four things. You've got a mood, an emotion, a feeling and a space. And these are different things. These are, this could be another way of dividing up our grand overall experiencing of reality. And what who is in does is it puts you into a space. It's that last one. It's space. And space is one that not many people really know about. It's one that is qualitatively very unique, totally unique to the other ones. Now, when we talk about feelings 
and emotions and experiences and thinking, and I forgot what the other one was that I said. Moods, that was the first one. Then most people know what you're talking about. Most people are quite clear on those. But the space is different. A space is something a little bit more transcendent. It's a little bit more mysterious. And it's a term that, well, we have to use to describe these certain parts of us. Because it's not right to say that doing who is in puts me into a mood. It's also not right to say that it gives me a feeling, right? Because my feelings are coming up regardless. Sometimes I'm doing it and I have certain feelings and other feelings. It's also not right to say that it gives me certain emotions. Now, it can open up emotions. It can lead to explorations of emotions. But those three things, the mood, the feeling, and the emotions are totally different to the space and it's the space that who is in does it puts you into a space so if a mood is just what you generally feel like which is the exclusion of other things that you have been and exclusively one thing that leads to normally a very narrow degree of options in what you can do then that's a mood. So when you're in a mood, you just you say, oh, I don't feel like doing this. I don't feel like doing that. I don't feel like doing this or going there or having this. I feel like doing this. And it's just that one thing. That's, that's all you feel like doing. All I feel like doing is this. That's your mood. And you might even recognize that it's temporary. A mood is usually not an acute thing. It's usually a sort of fuzzy, general, slow, oozing thing. And you usually don't want to change your mood. You don't want to have something consciously come in and hit it or wake you up from it or shake you out of it. You're just going to be drawn to the things that allow you to sink into the mood. And then emotion, well, that's hate, love, excitement, shame, guilt, all these sort of acute feelings. And they send you into all sorts of actions. Like not to, not to say that all these things are propellants of action. Not to say that these things are causes of action. Let's not turn this into a what came first, the chicken or the egg game. And then as for feelings, well... Feelings are much more, in my mind, about the generalities between the two of moods and emotions. And also, I would say, with a degree of, or with an amount of, connection to perception. What you feel is closely related to what you're perceiving. Now, your emotion is something that's in your heart. It's in your body. In a sense, you feel your emotions. But feelings, as the way I'm discussing it here, is something from your sight, your sounds, your touch, your taste. This food makes me feel good. When food makes you feel good... You don't, you don't say that that good is an emotion. Or this sight looks beautiful. Looking up at the stars at the night sky fills me with awe. Or looking at some nature, looking at a waterfall or the ocean makes me feel like this is a beautiful sight. Now that sight, you wouldn't say is an emotion. It's not an acute thing. And then we have the space. And the space is, well, the space is like, it's sort of like the thing that has those things within it. And like, let's look at this in a literal sense. What does space mean literally? 
Look at the space in your bedroom. Is there space in your bedroom? Is there space in your house? Now, if I ask you, is there space in your house? You might have to say, well, how big is the object that you want to put in? What do you mean by space? Space for you to come and live there? When someone says, I want to come and live with you, you say, well, how, much, how, many things are, how many things do you have? How many things are there? And of course, you realize that when someone comes to live with you, it's not just a matter of their objects. It's not just a matter of their furniture. You also have to account for what sort of person they are because they bring a whole social dynamic with them. And space, the space in your bedroom, is this space that who is in puts you into. It's the transcendent kind of consciousness. Now, normally, we're concerned with the furniture. We're concerned with the, the bed, the objects in there. We're using the objects in there, the computer, the books, the writing materials, the clothes, right? And that's how life is. We're concerned with the content. We're concerned with the thoughts. We're concerned with the actions that we're doing. We're concerned with the feelings that we've got. We're concerned with the emotions that we've got. We're concerned with the moods that we've got. But the space is that thing that all those things are within. The space is the thing that holds all those in a kind of mystical transcendent consciousness, if we can use such cliché spiritual terms. And it's understandable that we get caught up in the content because of how complex it is. Because within the space of your house, there is not just furniture, but there are people. And that's how complex your emotions are. That's how complex your moods are. That's how complex your feelings are. And I really sense that by having to talk about what's going on, by putting words to every little piece of the content as it comes up in my experience, I've been pushed into that space so that I become the room and I can really sense what's going on within the space. Now, we do have this thing. I don't want to get too far off into this, but it does get deep because you can have different kinds of space. Like you have different moods and you have different emotions, well, you have different spaces and different techniques put you into different spaces. Now, if this whole thing of being aware of content through touching context is new to you, then it's going to be a bit of a brain twister to hear that. It might fry you a bit to realize how deep this goes. But of course, if you're familiar with this work, then you can understand that. And it's really not that difficult when you've done it a few times, when you've been into space a few times. It's just the same as saying, well, what is the space in your bedroom to what is the space in your kitchen? They're two different things. And if you've never sat and sensed the space in your bedroom and then gone into the kitchen and then with that same honest inquiry sensed the space in the kitchen, then you can't, conspe- you can't compare spaces. And that's really all the matter of it is. That's all really that you have to do in order to really start having a collection of spaces and being in touch with spaces. And who is in is one of those. It's one of those that really puts you into big space, deep space. We could even say it puts you into outer space if you go deep enough. (laughs) Factor that into your definition of space, which is outer space, the astronaut being on the moon. How do you feel about being in outer space? And how do you compare that to being 
in the space of your bedroom. Now we're starting to understand how it works. Now, with all that, there's also this thing of state. So the state that you're in is yet another factor. And along with this, we can have state of mind. Now, state and state of mind go together. I'm sure you can understand that. I'm sure you've heard motivational speakers say that. Change your mind, change your state. Change your state, change your mind. And vice versa. Now, with each state, there are certain words that naturally tend to go with them. And we can use those words to put you in by actually just saying them. So if I, if I give you a pep talk and I give you this motivational speak and I say how much stuff there is to do and how important it is to find yourself and you really have to keep going and make sure you practice and make sure you do your meditation and this sort of talk, and I do it in a with fine charisma and a decent, <laughs> a decent delivery, then it will be effective. And those words will put you into a state. Those words will go with that state. Now, other states have different kinds of words. And you can discover this, and this is what's happening with my experiences in who is in, when the, the state is there and the words sort of bubble along on the top. So I'm, I was in this state, I was in this place, and the words were coming to describe them because I was thinking, okay, well, I have to keep describing them. I have to keep answering this question, who is in? And it was sort of like I could see the connection. I could actually see that forming. I could see why there was this layer of words to go along with this state. And that was something that made things quite clear. That was something that really opened up my understanding of this dialogue within me. It really has made things appear in a fresh light. I've been able to see it with new eyes. And that's also a kind of meta skill that who is in does. Because we can do state training, and I can teach you all the words that you need to say to yourself in order to put yourself into a state. But it's a meta skill to be able to see that connection. I guess there's sort of three levels to it, which is one, I can say the words to you. I can give you a motivational speech and then you'll be motivated, right? It's like, listen to me say the words and then you've got the state. But then there's the second level, which is learn to say the words to yourself, learn to motivate yourself. And that would mean... Not just copying the words that I say. That wouldn't cut it. That would still be too much like you're relying on me. But rather, learning the words for yourself. Discovering how it is that the words affect you. How it is that the words are connected to your state and what will put you into a state. Put you into that state, that desired state. And then the third level is seeing both of those. It's seeing how the whole thing works. It's actually at the same time seeing the words and the state and the process and how it works and where you're relying on things and, and where it's new and, and seeing all, everything, all of the mechanics. You are seeing the vastness of the whole game. It's almost like you're a spectator, high, high up in the grand, grand stand, and you see it from far away.
And in so many ways I've seen things from a distance by doing this this process. I mean, the whole connection between state and state of mind is just one example. There's also just plain old reasoning. There's plain old rationality. There's plain inner dialogue. I see that I'm just not exactly arguing with myself and not exactly going back and forth. It's really a quality that can't be put into words, but I do see it. And it's not like I'm now saying, okay, should I drop it? Okay, now I need to drop it. Okay, now I have to stop doing that. It's not even like that. There's no real strong, you have to do something with this once I've seen it. And yet, somehow, it does change the thing that is within me. It does change the dialogue. It's almost like to change what something is, you have to just see what it is. That alone is enough. If you can really see what it is, then you can change it in an instant. And that's very different to what we normally do with personal development and transformative practice and these sorts of things. It's so easy to identify something and say, okay, I really need to change this. Identify a problem and then say, how do I fix it? Identify something that we don't like and say, how do we stop doing that? How do I stop doing that? When really this who is in process is revealed to me again, as has been done so many times before, that seeing is king. Being able to see it and really know it for what it is, is enough. And I wish I was better at (laughs) describing exactly what that feels like. It's a very, very unique feeling. It's a very unique space to be in. So there's another funny story to sort of turn our conversation now back to a little bit of the who is in structure or technique or method. That's probably about all the insights of personal, of the personal kind that I'll have to share for now. But let's let's now talk a little bit more about the structure. I've got this funny story, which is that this guy was telling me about his experience with who is in. And he had this session where he spoke his own language, which wasn't English. And he was spouting this story, like this really, really personal really sort of self, self-exposing self story. And he was really letting it out, really letting it so personally because he thought that the person listening only spoke English. Of course, he'd never met him before. He had no idea. And then later he found out that he did. <laughs> he did speak his language and he understood every word. And so it was like this massive shock. It was this huge thing for him. And that was a very interesting insight for him. And confronting what you are like that is really part of the whole process. Exposing your own personal self in in a, in a way that, you know, in a way that is almost inhuman. Like, it, it's really, it really goes against human nature in some way. We can say that human nature is to protect yourself, protect your identity, 
protect your standing in the community, to make yourself look good and to be able to think of yourself as good, right? That's human nature. But really, in this process, it's like, how do you do the opposite of that? How do you get your real worst, just the the worst of the worst in you and put it out there and then see that, well, there's no reaction to it and actually see, well, actually, it's not that bad. And that's really something. And I believe this guy who <laughs> told this story in this language, his other language, his mother tongue, got hit. And that's just an example, I guess, of being hit by that, being hit by that dif- difference of how you s- stand in your peers. Now, I've done this twice a day for a week, and it's definitely done stuff. It's definitely worked wonders, but it's by no means on the same level as an awareness intensive. It's by no means the same as doing a who is in course. Now, in a who is in course, you're doing not two sets a day, but something like eight or ten or something, and then you're also doing dynamic meditation or some other things. And so, of course, right, you would think the more you do something, the more intense it is. When you do a technique intensely, you get an intense result, right? So that's understandable. And I thought maybe I could set something up, you know, if I really wanted to, I could set aside some time and sort some things out and really hold myself to it and do a kind of homemade intensive and do heaps and I'll do other meditations as well. But as I thought of that, you know, well, I actually thought maybe that's a contradiction and that's just me thinking about my schedule. And also there's all this stuff about how do you actually hold yourself to someone and isn't that what you're doing anyway? And how do you have this difference between your schedule and your routine and your life? And isn't that all just contradictions that need to be resolved and you should see in wholeness? Like, and in that moment, I actually got a a glimpse of wholeness. But also, you'll never replace the group. You'll never be able to have what the group has at home by yourself because you are with other people. Now, for one thing, these sets, I've been doing five minutes myself. Just five minutes, five minutes, five minutes for 40 minutes, right? When you do it in the group, you have five minutes you and five minutes of listening. So that's very different. That's very different already. And then you're changing partners. And also, when you're in the group, you have the support of the structure. You have the facilitators. And everything's sorted for you. You don't have the practicalities. They wake you up on time. They tell you where to go. Your food is sorted. Everything like that. And it would take quite a lot of effort, really, to hold yourself to your schedule and also even just to create your schedule if you want to do it to do a homemade intensive. And when you do it in a group, well, all you all you have to do is just buckle up and and go along for the ride. And because it's in a group, because it's a whole bunch of people doing the same thing, there's no way out of it. There's no way of skimping on it. So doing these intensives at home, doing these techniques at home will never replace doing it in a group. And that's understandable. I mean, I didn't really have a Satori experience. I wouldn't call myself... There was no real breakthrough moment. But that does actually remind me of one insight, which is that There was something to do with breaking through and holding it together. There's a dichotomy there. There's a contradiction there. Like we want to break through, but we also want to hold it together. And that is something to resolve. That is something to make whole. And that's just one little thing that I'm reminded of now. So I'd love to do the group. I'd love to do the full group, and I'm sure I will one day. It's on my bucket list, and it's an incredible process. And ideally, 
if you if you're really serious about this, if you're really serious about consciousness and awakening or life, then you would do intensives and then later do sort of your supplementary routine with little parts of the techniques from those intensives. And that's essentially what I do. Like I have done intensives. I have done different group. It's just not the specific who is in group. So I'm reminded of the people who I look at and I think just, wow, how do you do it? Like what's your secret? How can you be so conscious? How can you be so beautiful? How can you flower so magnificently? And these people are, well, to be frank about it, they're Osho Sannyasins. And it's not to say that you have to be an Osho Sannyasin to have those qualities. It's not that these qualities are only in Osho Sannyasins, but it's just that it's Osho Sannyasins that I know of that have these qualities. And I look at them and I think, how? Give it to me. What's your secret? What is the secret? And I see, what what are they doing? Well, they're doing the groups. They're doing the work. They've done the groups, sometimes multiple times. And then what do they do? Well, then they practice. Then they meditate. Then they do versions of these sorts of techniques. When the group room isn't available or they can't afford it or the group simply isn't on because of the time of year or whatever, then they're doing something else. It's just like, get up, get on with doing your thing. And I think of that when I think of my routine. I think like, well, after a while, it just collapses into one thing. It's like my routine, what I want to do. Why can't I do it? Working on myself, the things that stop me, all these things. It's just like, what else choice do you have? What else choice do you have but to live the best life you can? What else choice do you have than to actually get what you can from life? How can you not? squeeze the juice of life? How can you not reach your full potential? How can you not just see what the most important thing is? How can it not become perfectly clear what the most important thing to do is? And I'm just baffled. I'm baffled at how many different things I've been and how long life is and how many different adventures it has. There's just so much color to it. And it does happen that, well, there are challenges, there are problems. Because I could say, well, let me make this super routine, right? I'll do... I'll do who is in twice a day, every single day, not just for a week. And I'll also do my silent sitting and I'll also do Qigong and also do yoga and, and all these sorts of things. And I'll create this super intense lifestyle. But of course, then the problem is, well, how do you live up to it? How do you actually go through it? Half the problem, half the achievement is being able to hold yourself to those higher things. Half the achievement is the resolve to do those things. Because what happens is your problems come up. Oh, I don't feel like it. Oh, I feel nostalgic today. Or I'm distracted today. I just can't concentrate. And it's like, well, okay, how do I work with that? Well, you need to meditate or you need to do some other technique. Or maybe you just need to stop doing certain bad things. You need to change your diet. You need to stop certain consumptions, such as internet consumption. And to feel strong, to be able to do the techniques, to feel strong enough to do the techniques, is an achievement unto itself. 
And at first you have to force yourself. You force yourself. And that's the advantage of a group. Because you have the support. You are breaking your habits. If you do a 10-day who is in intensive, you're smashing your habits. You're completely, you're completely destroying them. Because you can't drink coffee, you can't smoke, you can't have high sugar, you can't watch the internet, you can't gossip, you can't be lazy. None of that for 10 days. Whereas if you're just doing at home, if you're just doing meditation techniques once a day, twice a day sort of thing, well then you're sort of still going out to all those other things. You still, all, you still have all those other things on every side of the path. So there's so much, there's so much to this and I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling quite energized. I'm feeling warm. I'm feeling energized, not so much in a passionate way. I'm feeling, I'm feeling very calm about it. It's like a calm kind of energized. And I am feeling strong. I'm feeling clear. I'm feeling like the space I'm in is going to get better. I feel like the space I'm in is going to save me from some more traps. And I've reminded myself that when this process is over, there is a danger of an ego backlash. And this happened last time when I did one of these processes for a week. Which is that I make heaps of great progress and then there's a backlash, there's a relapse back down into unconsciousness, unawareness. And I'm aware of that now and I'm saying that to myself now. And even as I say it, it feels different to be saying it as to how I've said it in the past. I can understand the sentiment of just newness, of just baffling newness. I don't know if it's a sentiment or a experience or if it's a mood or a feeling <laughs> or if it's a state, maybe it's a state, maybe it's a state of mind. But whatever it is, it's just it's just new. It's fresh. And it goes on and on freshness all the time. And it's so bizarre that I can feel that because I've been sitting in front of a mirror twice a day, every day for a week, and answering this imperative, tell me who is in. So that will be enough for this series. Thank you very much for listening along. If you have listened to this series, please share your favorite episode as this will help me find my audience. It will help to find the people who are ready to hear what we are talking about here. So thanks very much. Have a beautiful day. We'll be back very soon with the next episode. And that's all I have to say for now.